Shout out to Acipro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. If you feel like your allergies are having a comeback tour and you want relief quickly, you can try Acipro. Acipro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. And I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. Okay, Charlie, today uh, I want to start by reading you a tweet that we received from Travis Parker Martin. Hey, Switched on Pop, can anyone explain why I didn't like the new Taylor Swift song during the first two verses and choruses, despised the bridge, and then by the time the third chorus hit, I was hooked on the song and instantly had to replay it? I feel like there's some sorcery going on, dot, 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 (laughs) end quote. So uh, I want to take Travis Parker Martin's query today about the sorcery behind the new Taylor Swift song, Me, try and break it down musically. Yeah. First half. Second half, we pivot to the collaborator on this track, Brandon Yuri of Panic at the Disco, to break down their song, High Hopes. That sounds wonderful. Okay, let's start. I want to start right with the despicable bridge of this new Taylor Swift track. Okay, so we're just going to jump right to the bridge of this song. Sorry to say, but I hate it. Oh, okay. So you're you and Travis uh, are aligned here. This is not a good bridge. No, I mean it just sounds it sounds like a a schoolyard game mm. from a very mature artist at the sort of top of their game. Yeah. Hey kids, spelling is fun. Okay. Yeah. But then right after this moment, we get to the third chorus, and this is the moment when for for this listener, like he's captured by the song he comes around and i'm kind of with him all right first time i heard this i was like uh and to be honest the more i hear it the more it sticks all right so let's go from that despicable bridge right to this uh euphoric final chorus Okay, so why is this song so catchy? What is the the sorcery going on here? To that you can go from a detestable bridge to an irresistible chorus. I think the first thing is that, you know, this is the song is compelling because it represents yet another step in Taylor Swift's sort of musical, personal, artistic voyage, right? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the thing that I'm probably least interested in 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. But we got to get out of the way because yeah. that last record, Reputation, was very dark, yes. gothy. Yeah. And now here we're like, it's all rainbows and unicorns and sprinkles. Yes. So this is like, it's smart, right? You want to constantly reinvent yourself. It's your Baskin Robbins album. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's, having gotten that out of the way, let's dig into the music. Yeah. Okay. And one thing that grabbed me right from the start here is actually something that we've talked about on our show recently. It's the, the, when we did a, an episode about how streaming is changing the sound of pop music, we noticed that more and more songs start with something we were calling a pop overture. Right. Kind of a, like a foreshadowing of what's to come. Yeah. And we just listened to the chorus of the song. Check out how the song starts. This is the very first thing you hear. I promise that you'll never find another like me. Little overture. It's cool. I mean, let's let's spin it one more time because that went by pretty quickly. I promise that you'll never find another like me. I like it. It has the same vocal characteristic as delicate. Oh, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, that sort of chorus choir effect. Yeah, and it sets you up. Even even though you, if the first time you've heard this song, you don't know what's coming. It's like kind of embedding the 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 central kernel of that song in your brain from the very start. Yes, it's very smart. Pop Overture. Pop Overture. Okay. Now, another element that we've covered on our show before, way back when we did this episode about DJ Khaled's song, I'm the One. Yes. Which used this ancient chord progression, the 1-6-4-5 chord progression, also known as the 50s progression, also known as Ice Cream Changes. <laughs> oh, the Baskin-Robbins movement. Whoa, yes, yes. And this is just such a tried and true way to get a song burrowed into your brain. Use this proven set of chord changes. So it's not always easy to hear in the track. So I thought we'd spin it and you and I can play these chord changes on top of the, the Taylor Swift version. What key are we in? I, I believe we're in the key of C major. All right. Ooh. Very, a very, ice, a very vanilla um, <laughs> key, I suppose. Okay, so let's try this. We'll spin the verse of this Taylor Swift song, and you and I can sort of overlay these chords on top of it. Okay, fun. I promise that you'll never find another like me. One. Six. Four. Five. I'll do it with the chord names now. C. A minor. F major. G major takes us back to C. Beautiful, Charles. Thank you. I mean, well. that is just the platonic chord progression. Yeah. From Stand By Me to Rebecca Black's Friday, that <laughs> is the the just the most tried and true progression you can use. Yeah. Okay, but there's more here. We've got like such a such a, a matrix of sorcery. <laughs> to go back to the uh, Travis Parker Martin's original tweet. What else? Wordless vocals in the chorus. Mm. If you want to really like burn a song into someone's brain, mm. don't use words. Just use vowels. Huh. Just use vocalizations. Oh. Because that's so... <laughs> Ooh. Because, yes, because that's so universal, right? It's beyond words. It's just like elemental. Ah. Uh. <laughs> okay, so... The chorus kind of starts with like uh, a, a stretched out me, but then halfway through it abandons even that that initial consonant and it just goes to e e e ooh ooh ooh. I mean, it's like infantile, but not right. not in a bad way. Just in a way that we're like, oh, I get to be a baby again. <laughs> All right, let's spin. Let's spin the e e e ooh ooh ooh. I'm baby. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it's like it's Goo Goo Gaga. One more time. I love it. This vowel gibberish is really there to set up a rhyme with you, which is coming up. Yes, <laughs> so right. She rhymes with you. You know, I actually think thinking about it now too. It's also you know is reminiscent too of like the vocalizations of other primates too, perhaps. So maybe it's not only connecting us to our own youth, but to our like deeper ancestry as well. I think you're reaching, but <laughs> anti-Darwinist, <laughs> direct your hate mail to Charlie Harding. While we're in this moment, I think we can segue to another thing that makes this song really sticky, okay. is that it seems to like reference earlier Taylor Swift songs as mm -hmm. well. So if you're already a fan, there's right. a lot here that's just going to pull you in deeper. Mm -hmm. And I think that wordless uh, chorus we just listened to is mm -hmm. part of that, because that, that melody, e, 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 that's very reminiscent for me of another big Taylor Swift hit. Huh which uses uh, a, a, the identical melody line and also a wordless vocal at the same place in huh. the chorus. Oh. Shake it off. I think we got one more coming up. Nice find, detective. Thank you. So not not in the same key, not exactly the same rhythm, but yeah. the same melodic contour and the same word, wordless vocal. Yeah. So oh, like maybe subconsciously even you're like, oh, this is I like this already, you know. And she's known to do this, right? Because we we had done I think it was our second episode uh -huh. where we identified she has these sort of melodic tropes that she'll use, and so she's she's known for reusing material to sort of connect you in between the different genres that her mm. albums will will play with there's some sort of connecting tissue yes totally like even as she goes from dark goth to unicorn sprinkle fairy it's like <laughs> there's this connective musical tissue yeah. that remains from through each successive evolution speaking of there's also lyrics that seem to come back around mm. like uh in this song we have uh the line about fighting uh in the rain uh, in the in the second verse. And when we had that fight out in the rain, you ran after me and called my name. I never want to see you walk away. A decade plus ago, she used that same uh, image of fighting in the rain in her track, The Way I Loved You. Oh, I like Country Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's interesting to listen to them back to back like that. You can really hear the evolution. Yeah. But still, Fighting in the Rain, yep. that hasn't yep. changed. That yep. powerful, almost sort of cinematic image. Right. You know, this actually connects back to that uh, superhero theory that I have about pop music that I shared a few weeks ago. Okay. So when Taylor was teasing this song, uh, she was going on social media and just posting the date 426 mm, mm, right and i thought maybe 426 was actually meant that she was going to be a lead character in avengers endgame <laughs> which came out on 426 which is completely absurd i know but yeah i think that there's there is some relationship here mm. i feel like the 
Marvel Extended Universe. I like where this is going <laughs> already. Yeah, which relies upon decades of interweaving stories mm. is not unlike Taylor Swift's reputation Whoa. and musical journey through all of these different genres. That there have to the thing that that continues to maintain interest is not just new and good songs, but all of the connections, deliberate, hidden, whatever they are, or you know, even if they're intuitive right right those those connections have this way of connecting our memory yes to this entire brand artist music everything so when we get these tried and true old chord changes that connect us to the entire history of popular music we have these melodies and lyrics which are referential of past things that we might not realize that are happening but you, know, you put your little detective eyeglass up and you're going to find. Um, and she's, of course, using all of the, the sort of contemporary songwriting techniques, pop overture and so on. That It's like the things are staying new just as much as they're referencing the past in yeah. order to create an entire narrative about a apocalyptic world ending pop music. Right. No, no, I, I, I was skeptical, but you actually you actually sold me like. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is equivalent to the 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 TSU, the Taylor Swift <laughs> universe, <laughs> right? And 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 pop stars all are, maybe are more and more beholden to do that to sort of build these worlds and and bring you into them. In this world, I'm just sorry. Is Kanye West Thanos? <laughs> is that is that analogous? I, I think absolutely. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So we're on the and same there, page. there are sidekicks, you know, yeah, yeah. like she's done songs with Zane, and like yeah. you know, if you do all of the all of the featured tracks, then I think it holds up. But I, I like I like how you put it. There is a world building that happens, mm. which keeps people constantly guessing: is this the artist's personal narrative? Is it something imagined? Right. And and that in between is where I think the listener's imagination fills in. Totally. And, and, yeah. and here we are talking about it and yeah. we're completely absorbed. So yeah. check. Success. All right. All right. <laughs> now we're going to get a little meta, if you'll indulge me. Right. So we've already seen how the song has a pop overture, a one, six, four, five chord progression, wordless vocals, and references to past hits. Mm -hmm. But I think there's one other thing that can ensure a song's surefire success that you won't be able to get out of your head. Mm -hmm. And that's you need to put an exclamation point in the title. Because <laughs> this song isn't just called Me. It's called Me. <laughs> and, in, and in doing this, Taylor Swift brings a song into the pantheon of pop hits that use exclamation points. Really? And there's a surprising <laughs> number of them that I will now share with you until uh, every single person has turned off this podcast because <laughs> they can't believe it. Okay. Uh, th this actually goes way back. Exclamation okay. points. We can go like ding dong, the witch is dead. Mm. Exclamation point. Mm -hmm. Zing went the strings of my heart, the great Judy Garland track. Mm. Exclamation point. Here's a nice one. Smoke, exclamation point. Smoke, exclamation point. Smoke, exclamation <laughs> point. That cigarette by Tex Williams. Wow. An early anti-smoking country song. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. It's a great track. Um, moving a little forward into the the the, the countercultural counter moment of the 60s. Yep. Uh, exclamation points abound. <laughs> Help by the Beatles. Oh, of course. Right? Definitely. Right. Wait, did the album have an exclamation oh, point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Album and song. Yeah. Stop, exclamation point, in the name of love <laughs> by the Supremes. <laughs> Wait, uh, hold on a second. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, an yeah. important exclamation point. Yeah. 
Because stop in the name of love as, as opposed to stop in the name of love. Right. Oh, you're talking about like exclamation point placement yeah, here. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, and I mean, I'm being a somewhat facetious, but like these songs have the exclamation point is like a key part of the song, of, of the narrative, the musical emphasis of the song. Like these aren't just arbitrarily placed here. Absolutely. Um, let's keep going. Crash, boom, bang by Roxette. <laughs> Danger, High Voltage by Electric Six, and Can't Stop the Feeling by Justin Timberlake. Yeah, this is, I've seen people make jokes about this is her trolls moment because it definitely feels <laughs> oh, like yeah. it's like a bad animated film song. Okay, but we're not even done because <laughs> okay. now we have a bonus round. Okay. <laughs> okay. These are, these are, I'm awarding special exclamation point bonuses here. Okay. Like songs like Oops. I did it again. Oh, yeah. Okay, this is an exclamation point plus ellipsis bonus. <laughs> Oops, exclamation point, dot, dot, dot. I did it again. That's some hefty grammar. All right, here's another one. Uh, the Birds, uh, 1960s track, What's Happening? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark, <laughs> exclamation point. That's a double in Terabang bonus. So that's props to the birds. Okay, what about this? Everybody wants some double exclamation point bonus for Van Halen right there. Wait, where where did the exclamations come? Right from? at the end. Everybody Just wants some double exclamation. Two, but point. not three. Two, but not three. Okay. You want three? Yes. All right. <laughs> dig Lazarus. Dig triple exclamation point. I don't know it. That's Nick Cave in the bad scenes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep going. What about you? Got to fight for your right. Parentheses to, to party, party. Exclamation point. <laughs> close parentheses. <laughs> So that's an exclamation point inside parentheses bonus for the Beastie Boys there. Interesting. So it's more important to party than it is to fight for your right to... Like, had the, I think you could put the exclamation point outside the parens in that case if you yeah. wanted to. No, no, you're totally right. But this is like, this is really emphasizing... The party. The party. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and here's a bonus for the oldest exclamation point mm. I could find. Oh, exclamation point, Susanna by Stephen <laughs> Foster. <laughs> yeah. Going back to the 19th century. And finally, <laughs> I've got uh, a romantic exclamation bonus point. This is for the Mahler song, Blicke mir nicht in die Lieder. Of course. <laughs> Look not at my songs. Really? Yeah. It's like saying, like, don't, don't look, like, don't read too closely into this, huh. which is hysterical because that's exactly <laughs> what, what you're gonna do. What we're doing. <laughs> it's like when someone says, "Don't look," what are you gonna do? Okay, it should be over, but it's not. <laughs> we have round three. Okay, is dedicated to a single artist who is the undisputed champion of using exclamation points in songs. Mm. Any guesses? The band exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point. Wow, that's a <laughs> that's a great guess. Which is how you say? It? Is it? It's like check 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 check. I'm yeah, I don't know. Uncertain. That's a great guess. Okay, um, but you're completely wrong. Okay, it's Shania Twain. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, you ready for this? Yeah. Thank you, baby! Exclamation point for making someday come so soon. If you're not in it for love, I'm out of here. Exclamation point. These are these are in order of longest to shortest. Wanna get to know you that good? Exclamation point. I'm not in the mood to say no. Exclamation point. If you want to touch her, ask. Exclamation point. It's a good one. What a way to want to be. Exclamation point. All right, here's a good one. Man. Exclamation point. I feel like a woman. Exclamation Ooh. point. <laughs> Two points. <laughs> Two. Here's another. One. Whatever you do. Exclamation point. Don't. Exclamation point. <laughs> 
I'm going to get you good, exclamation point. Waiter, exclamation point. Bring me water, exclamation point. <laughs> You're making these up. No, most of these are on a single album. Rock this country, exclamation point. Ka-ching, exclamation point. Don't, exclamation point. Nah, ex- exclamation point. And finally, up, exclamation point. It has the same exclamatory uh, yeah. energy as me. I know. It's like, you're going to like this song. Like, you don't have... you Get excited. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Yeah. Okay. So, there's a lot of sorcery in this track, and there's one other important element here. Hmm. This is not just a Taylor Swift song. This is Taylor Swift and Brandon Yuri. This is my favorite part about the song. Yeah. And it's smart. You know, if you want to get the song into your head bring in like another super talented collaborator. Mm -hmm. Not only that, someone who's really having a moment in the pop world right now. The lead singer of Panic at the Disco has had a hit song for like over a year now. (laughs) High hopes. So so I want to take a quick break and then we're going to explore the sorcery behind that track. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. If you have allergies, then I've got a familiar scenario for you. You wake up on a beautiful spring morning and peek outside to get a feel of that nice breeze, but then you start to feel a little tickle in your nostrils. That tickle is the spring air telling you to go be a hermit and avoid the outside because you'll soon be a sniffling, sneezing mess. But don't listen to it. Allergies suck, but a good nasal spray makes all the difference. I personally learned that I suffer from adult onset allergies, and it's a real bummer, but a good allergy med makes all the difference for my ability to go out in the springtime to smell magnolias, my favorite flower. If you also want relief quickly to get back to breathing in the spring air, you can try Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Panic at the Disco's High Hopes is currently on the the, the top 40 as mm. of this recording. But this song has been slow burning for a long time. Yeah. It was actually first written back in 2015. Oh, wow. At a songwriting camp in really? Aspen <laughs> in a hot tub <laughs> by four <laughs> songwriters. Hot tub song machine. And then it slowly, you know, circuitously made its way to Panic at the Disco. And then they worked on it further. And then finally it was released in 2018. Yeah. And then through some very savvy promotion, getting it onto the adult contemporary charts. Wait, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the new way to score a, a, a pop hit if you're a more rock-leaning act. Mm-hmm. Now it's like catapulted to the top of the pop chart. That's so funny because I don't see, I don't hear that song as adult contemporary in any way because it in, incorporates so much con- truly contemporary music, which I think often the adult contemporary charts mm. do not. Yeah. So anyway, so let's hear this slow burning hit, High Hopes. <laughs> I like this song. It's really fun, right? 
see i like panic at the disco i got turned on to them mm. when they did an album called pretty odd oh yeah uh, and they've been around a long time yeah but uh they did an album that was kind of like a homage to sergeant peppers oh cool um and it has all this great orchestral work on there which we have here i love the, the string sections oh, yeah. and the marching bands mm. it's really animated we're gonna get into all of that oh, i can't wait yeah no they're they're a fun band it's and they bring something different to the charts this song is successful too uh in a way that's somewhat surprising because it's one of these songs written by committee there's fully 10 writers and producers credited on this track and yet it sounds really organic and and natural yeah uh i think that's because of the the nature of some of these collaborators uh, i want to just give a shout out this is sort of the product of my Wikipedia <laughs> journey this week, uh, studying this song. There's four rad uh, female songwriters on this track. Mm. Taylor Parks. I don't know Taylor Parks. Me neither. But she is behind a ton of, of modern hits, including Seven Rings. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. Ilzy Juber. Apologies if I'm not saying that correctly. Mm. Uh, she's behind hits like the Mark Ronson-Miley Cyrus collaboration, yeah. Nothing Breaks Like a Heart. Yeah. And she's the daughter of the guitarist for Wings, Paul McCartney's uh, solo project. Oh, uh, cool. Who else? Jenny Owen Youngs. She's this rad folk singer hmm. who also hosts a podcast called Buffering the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> That's a great name. And then there's Lauren Pritchard, a.k.a. Lolo, uh, a former Broadway star. She uh, was in the original cast of Spring Awakening. Wait, this makes sense because this song is kind of Broadway. And she's featured on Panic at the Disco's hit Miss Jackson. Huh. So it's like this cool universe of like super successful modern pop songwriters and Panic at the Disco collaborators. Mm. Somehow they all came together to make a song that feels really authentic to me. Yeah. Okay. What else is going on here that like is making this song so effective for us? Mm, lots. <laughs> what do you got? Okay, I I've got a few things that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. It has having to do with instrumentation mm -hmm. and actually some of them relate to the Taylor Swift song we were just talking about, me. Like here's a moment in High Hopes where we get a beautiful little burst of trumpet. That is curious. I mean, when do you hear a trumpet? Especially in that, it's like sounds like a fanfare or something. In almost uh, almost in counterpoint, mm -hmm. the lead vocal, wild trap hi hats are happening in the background. Yeah. it's like that is cool. It's cool. Speaking of Paul McCartney, maybe like a little Penny Lane esque oh, yeah. or something. But it's interesting. We also have a trumpet part in "Me" by Taylor Swift. Oh, so it's sort of sequencing the vowel melody thing that she It's an before. echo of, totally, it's an echo of what she's singing, yeah. You know what I also noticed listening to that clip? What's that? The piano isn't just doing your ice cream changes, it's also doing them in steady quarter notes on a honky-tonk piano, just as they would have back in the 1950s. It's very, very heart and soul. Yeah. yeah <laughs> totally. Um, what else? We've got this, you mentioned it earlier, like this sort of like marching band snare sound. Mm -hmm. That's actually something we also hear in me. Spelling is fun. Girl, there ain't no I-N-T. But you know there is a me. Strike the band of one, two, three. 
kind of like that martial rat-a-tat-tat snare drum. Yeah. So that marching snare we hear in me is also right there in uh, High Hopes. That is a like yeah accuracy of drumming that I w- I aspire yeah. to, and it really like snaps you to attention. Yeah. like you're in a you know military parade or well, something. Maybe it's a, a musical exclamation point. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it's any coincidence that you can find an amazing performance of this song uh, by the Western Carolina University drumline. Wow. Yeah. Man, I never thought I would say this, but I should have done band. It, I mean, they make that, that seems like a lot of fun. That's awesome. But I don't know if that's how representative <laughs> that is of the repertoire at large. Not only does it make it sound fun, mm. it extends the rhythmic dexterity and improves it by adding all of these. Um, I don't, what, do you, what do you call that when you slow time like that? Is that. I don't know. I think we need to create a term. Possibly from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, like time bending. Who, the Doctor Strange there does you go. something. I'm into it. Where I'm it, into like, it. We yeah. get these, but they're doing that, and it sounds like it's programmed, as you alluded to, but it's not. No, it's, it's and, and they're doing it all together in time is an expert sense of being able to control time. I mean, hearing you say that, it's, I realize there's a cool overlap between trap drumming and yeah. this dr- drumline approach. And uh, that they're, they're both kind of very interested in bending time. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there's even more cool instrumentation going on here. As you mentioned earlier, we have these gorgeous uh, orchestral strings. Love it. Mama said- Yeah, that's very George Martin. That's for me. That's like Strawberry Fields. It's cool. Yeah, it becomes like almost another voice in the song Mm, because it has this like call and response characteristic. Yeah, there's all there are these caricatures that are in the music. Oh, I love it. And then finally, there's one other really cool surprising choice here: uh, an a cappella final chorus. Like, uh, that's very stark, naked, yeah. even. Yeah. Maybe you'd expect, like, one line of acapella, and then they'd bring the beat back in. But they do a whole half chorus right there. It feels a little Broadway, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, it is right? a little Broadway. Can't you see, like, the whole, like, everybody standing in a line, like, <laughs> arms up? <laughs> I mean, let's, let's keep that in mind when the jukebox musical version of Panic! at the Disco comes out. Because <laughs> someone is going to owe you some royalties. Uh, now we can get even a little deeper into the 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 grain of the musical material in this song. Uh, to end this analysis, let's dig into my favorite section, actually, of of the track, which is the pre-chorus. Yeah, 
it's really cool. It's I think it's well described by our friend uh, Asaf Perez of the blog Top Forty Theory as having this kind of dreamy quality, mm-hmm. and that's a really nice break from those you know marching snare drums that we hear elsewhere in the mm. track. It really does serve as a, yeah as a almost little palate cleanser before we get back into this high moment. Mm. It's so the song is so dexterous. Yeah, that's nice. I, mm, nice vocab too. Go oh, thank continue, you. Continue, please. I, yeah. f- I remember someone noted about all of the songs of 2018. Yeah. How in top 100 popular music right now, uh, harmony is not as privileged perhaps as rhythm and texture. Sure. Um, timbre. But this song used an inordinate amount of chords, and there were people that were very um, exclamatory about. All of the different chord changes. <laughs> I think it uses like eight different chords or something. Yeah. yeah. And one and of the, the songwriters called it the eight chord wonder. The eight chord wonder. Yeah. Which, which I, I don't want to at all get into um, a line of argument that suggests more chords or less chords is good or bad. But just that this, this song, I think, does an incredible job of taking us on a journey that is both musically incredibly complex, but also somehow mm. really coherent. Like the the theme of high hopes feels like it exists throughout that little bridge section is almost like a little dip in the roller coaster before we go way back up high. Mm. It's all you, the, in the pre-chorus you mean that we yeah, just listened the pre-chorus, to? Yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I guess I'm, re- I just, I'm really impressed that they're able to have so many writers and also so many sections and so many, so much instrumentation, so many chords, and yet it still holds together. Well, I think that's not just about the quantity of chords, but the quality of chords. And let's zoom in even further. Let's check out particularly one chord in this progression. It's the second chord, the one that you hear uh, under the lyric, uh, don't give up. So let's listen to this pre-chorus one more time and really focus in on that second chord. Yeah. Oh, it's dramatic. It feels like something in like a James Bond intro. So what is that chord? It's a rare sighting. It's like kind of an endangered, almost like seeing an endangered species of chord in the <laughs> ecosystem of pop music. And it's called an augmented chord. I thought it was an chord. augmented chord, yeah. yeah. And oh, it- high hopes, augmented <laughs> chord. Oh, okay. So yes. what, what is an augmented chord? Let's just break it down really quickly. Yeah. We're very used to hearing uh, like a major triad, you know? Mm-hmm. That's the, the backbone of, of so much popular music. But an augmented chord makes one small revision. Mm -hmm. It takes the third note of that chord and it raises it up just a half step. And then it creates this new sonority, which Mm. all of a sudden is like dreamy and mysterious. It's what you hear often when someone like wakes up from a dream in a movie or something. It's got this, this I don't know, it's, it's hard to put into words, but it has this mysterious, dreamy quality that's really effective in this bridge. Well, that's why I noted, of course, an augmented chord, the song is High Hopes, and what the augmented chord does is it takes that third note and it lifts it up into a place that is, frankly, unstable and needs to resolve to somewhere because you can't stay up in the clouds forever. Totally. So the, the pre-chorus goes, Mama said, don't give up. When we get that augmented chord, it's a little complicated. I mean, 
it's really like you oh. like you said it, it it feels like it's reaching towards something and then uncomplicated as you play the minor four chord yep yeah. okay <laughs> a little mode mixture on the word complicated very cool if you've listened a lot to the show one would know that my favorite chord in all of chords <laughs> is the minor four can you play um what a normal four chord progression sounds like, and then the minor four chord progression. Right. So here's here's the the pre-chorus um, with a what you, the the major four that chord that you would expect. It would go, Mama said, don't give up. It's a little complicated. Yeah, it's a little bright. As opposed to, it's a little complicated. Ooh, and it's so much more sorrowful. Yeah. So here's the ending of the progression with a major four. And here's the ending of the progression with the minor four. I love how it shows that the, the the colors of chords can say so much because that is the most sorrowful and sweet and mm. it's a bittersweet chord. Totally. Wow. So we've ascended up with our augmented thing into high hopes, into dreaminess, and then descended down into somber sonorities. What a... It's, beautiful there's a lot going on yeah. in this track and it's and it's cool because i think you you put these songs side by side panic at the disco high hopes uh taylor swift and brandon yuri's me they're each doing similar things they each have like you know trumpets and and uh snare drums and they each kind of burrow into your brain yeah but i think at the end of the day i think you and i would rather listen to to high hopes i do prefer high hopes and i wonder if that isn't because of these little details that are kind of surprising and kind of different and even though this is like a guaranteed super pop smash yeah. it also has these weird little elements that probably play into panic at the disco and their larger aesthetic which is one of like weirdness and this sort of wild carnival unexpected style right and if we think back to the first single off of reputation right look what you made me do Ooh, look what you made me do Ooh, look what you made me do that song, when we broke it down, yeah. has no melody mm -hmm. in the chorus. It's True. spoken. Yes. And uh, I think really did play with the expectations of where Taylor Swift's career was going. This feels definitely like a safe landing into bubblegum land. The song, Me, is admittedly, as I said, like when we get to that third chorus, as our listener has noted, like it's burrowed into your ear whether you want it to or not, and you're just gonna hum along. Yeah. It's successful in that way. Yeah. We had another person on Twitter who said, This is this song is great. It does all the things that I've ever learned on Switched On Pop, right? <laughs> <laughs> and including some other things like the rule of three, the, the ice cream changes. Oh, all wait, has Taylor Swift been listening <laughs> to our podcast? Obviously. But you know, I think sometimes it, it, we could be seen as sort of distilling mm pop down to like a secret formula right. that like a, a song has to have certain characteristics and sometimes maybe we'll, we'll use those those different elements as a ploy to narrate a show so it all holds together the reality is though a great song can't just hit all the marks in a certain way for, for me the song me actually just kind of like check 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 it does all the things yes just right and it's catchy in that mm. way like it it, it works I prefer High Hopes because not only does it sort of hit all of those marks, but it also skews them. It it brings in new things. It it It's curious. Yeah. It's less of an exclamation point and more of a dot, 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 <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. And so I both are fun songs. Yeah. I don't mean to say one is bad, but my preference is I could listen to High Hopes over and over and over. I think we're going to see some more interesting material off of the rest of Taylor's album. 
Absolutely. And it, whatever it is will further her cinematic universe. <laughs> I wonder which characters will be in there featuring who next. Switched on Pop is produced by me, Nate Sloan. And me, Charlie Harding. We're produced by Jillian Weinberger. We are edited, mixed, and mastered by Brandon McFarland. Sarah Terry is our community manager. Our executive producers are Nishat Kurwa and Allison Rocky. You can find more episodes on Spotify, the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, Radio Public, anywhere you get podcasts, there we will be. And you can chat with us on social media at Switched on Pop, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This episode came from a, a note on Twitter. So we really love the dialogue that we have there. Um, keep finding those wonderful musical moments in sorcery and share them with us. Shouts to Asaf Perez at Top 40 Theory and Dean Olivet at Flypaper for their savvy analyses of these tracks. We'll see you next week with more pop breakdowns. Until then, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. One final shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. You know what's a terrible question? What's your favorite part of having nasal allergies? I don't know. Absolutely nothing. Luckily, you might be able to find some relief with Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's astaproallergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies.